Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon and good evening, depending on where you are calling from. Uh, I want to... Just welcome everybody to this noon SA phone MTG meeting. Uh, this is our Monday speakers meeting. My name is Dennis, and I am a grateful recovering sexaholic. Uh, I, today, I want to talk about what my sponsor drilled into me in the first year of my recovery, and it was called missing the gift. <clears throat> you know, once I got to a place where uh, sex was optional, which was in my first 90-day period of absence. I came into this program at 52, um, had crossed every boundary. I suffered horribly internally with just, I couldn't sleep past 5 a.m. because the withdrawals from uh, the sex and the drugs and everything would wake me up, and I'd have to go through another day of living hell. But once I came into this program, uh, one of the first things I did was I turned all my decision-making over to my sponsor. Nothing else had worked in my life. All of the, uh, my faith tradition, I tried purity conferences. I read every book out there. And since I was 12 years old, that was the first time I put a stake in the ground. And many of you heard the story, so I'll just move on. But I finally, when I got here, found something that actually relieved the compulsion was the first thing I really was uh, battling And once I felt that first wave of relief, and I thought to myself, man, I don't ever have to do this again. Well, I continued on that process and experienced what they call the pink cloud, but really experienced for the first time in my life freedom um, from from all of the addictions that I was in. And what that left me with, though, once the pink cloud broke, was all of my defects. And as I worked my steps, I, I came face to face with my defects. And part of those defects, um, I was working out in my fourth steps, in my fifth, and my sixth, and seventh, and eighth, and ninth, and continued with a uh, 10th, 11th to work on those. But one of the gifts, I think, in the program that really helped me was my sponsor would say to me many times, Ah, oh, Dennis, you missed the gift. And I'm thinking, What gift? And early on in the program, uh, when I got sober, and now I started working on the recovery. And that's the big difference. Sober is not well for me. Um, Lust has always been my comfort. It saved my life. It helped me out. So to come into this program, um, I've been told it's like coming in with my canteen of lust in the desert, and my sponsor shot a bunch of holes in my canteen and says, now we need to go take a walk in the desert. And I'm like, I don't see how that's possible. Well, he, he showed me step by step how, to, how that was possible. 
And I remember early on, I was uh, kind of, you know, the relationship with my wife and my daughter in the house was so bad. And, and I was just so full of self-pity and selfishness and everything was so about me that I couldn't see it. And one night I was so much ready to just, I, I was always the kind of person that ran away, but usually I'd run away into fantasy or whatever prostitution or whatever it was. I would run away when I had to feel feelings or get in any type of conflict. So I was out of my back swing uh, we have like a, a long swing that we have a yard swing out there. And I was basically not in tears, but I was to the point where I was like in self-pity. I was kind of crying and thinking to myself, well, I just got to leave. That's just, that's the answer. So I called my sponsor and he didn't answer, but he called back. And I said, man, Marty, I tell you, I got to get out of here. I, I think my brain's telling me, I really, I think it's time for me to leave. And I kind of shared some stuff with him that's going on and, he, right in the middle of my conversation, went, oh, my God, Dennis, is that self-pity making you as sick as it's making me? And it just shocked me. I'm like, what? And then he, oh, and he throws up again. <laughs> and he just kept doing that. And he's like, oh, my God, that's just making me sick. And it, it actually made me laugh. It's like, oh, my gosh, because I could not see my self-pity. He goes, here's what I'm, now here's what you're going to do. You're going to go back in there. And you're going to sit down and you're going to ask your wife, what has it been like to live with you? And you're not going to say one word. You're going to keep your mouth shut. You're not going to say a word. And when she's done, if she's willing to tell you, if she's not done, the only thing I want you to say when you're done is thank you for sharing. And uh, it was crazy. So moments before that, I was honestly ready to pack up and move out. I went in, I sat at the table with my wife, and I asked her what it was like to be with me. And she poured out, and it was messy, and it was rageful, and it was sad. And I, you know, had all sorts of feelings and emotions. I wanted to run away, but I, since the day one, when my sponsor suggests that I do it, I don't, I don't have to like it, but I've done it because I wanted to be free from the pain of this disease so bad. And what was amazing, after I said, well, thank you for sharing, um, we had a great night. My daughter, my wife, our family, instead of me moving out, we actually had a pretty decent night as well as we could have. And that was the moment that I started to practice not missing the gift. And to this day, I'm four years, 10 months or close to it, I still miss the gift at times. But it's just more subtle now. But what I learned about missing the gift is my wife would share something with me and I would focus on the details, the inaccuracies. That's not really the way it happened. And I always believed in my brain that, well, if she just understood how it really went down, now that's crazy because I'm not with her in her pain. And so, you know, I would try, but it just wasn't working. And uh, man, it led to some horrible times in early recovery. And I would call my sponsor and said, oh, Dennis, you know, I'm saying, oh, she's being so mean and she's saying this. Oh, you missed the gift again. Really? So I finally got to a point where I said, I will not say nothing except thank you for sharing. And she started opening up. Um, the reason, two reasons she never wanted to share with me in the first place. Number one, I couldn't be with her, so I wasn't a safe place safe person. But number two, as much as she hated me in those times, 
She didn't want me to leave either. And she was afraid if she told the truth that I would run away and leave her. And she did not want that. And she did want that. She told me at one point, I wish she would just go out into the highway and get killed. And she meant it. And I have found, especially working with sponsees, that if our wives or our spouses are still being vile and yelling and, and angry, that's a good sign. It's when they get quiet. It's when they leave. Um, but anyway, so I started to practice this. And I would, she would pour out the past and the history. And in my mind, only like 80% like of it was not even correct. But I would just let go of that. I wouldn't focus on the details or the facts. I started focusing on her feelings. What is she feeling? I want to be with her and her hurt. And oh my gosh, I started just seeing the pain come out of this poor woman. And it was really, really, really hard. But I would just say thank you for sharing. And what started to happen was I started taking, I, I didn't do this. I believe this is all God. But I stopped being in the story. And I started being with this woman who I love dearly was suffering from horrible pain. And sometimes it was past trauma that she had before we met. And sometimes it was due to me, but I just started being with her. Um, you know, my crazy brain always wants to go, well, that's probably past trauma, but that's just me not being with her. And I missed the gift. Um, one time I remember very well was she called, she says, Hey, do you want to meet at the track and go for a walk? I said, yeah, that'd be great. I think we were in about two years by this point, and I actually started receiving the gift. And as we walked around that track, she started sharing. And then it became, ooh, honestly, I could feel my emotions coming up. And I'm thinking, oh, man, she hates that guy. She had just divorced him. And I'm thinking to myself, I, we had to just get a divorce. And that's, uh, you know, by the end of the, the, um, by the end of the walk, I'm just like, disturbed and my sponsor always said at the end just say hey thank you for sharing and call me immediately and that's usually what I did and we got done walking and she said she took this deep breath like whoo and she looked at me and smiled and she just had all this joy and she goes do you want to go get some coffee and I'm thinking to myself oh my god yeah let's go yeah I'd love to so I get in we both drive over to the coffee shop I call my sponsor and I'm really starting to see where this isn't about me. When she shares, it's not about me. It's all about her. And if I can remember, you know, Dennis, don't make this about you. Don't make it personal. Don't make it about you. Because if you do, I can't be with her. And one of the things I used to say early on, and both my counselor and my sponsor said to me, one of the things I would say always is, yeah, I don't blame you if you would like to leave. You know, I don't blame you if you would leave, you know. And I don't know now, looking back, if that was my disease, wanting her to go so I could have my disease full time, which I didn't want it because my body wrenching out inside was so painful. I did not want this anymore. Or if I just was in so much self-pity that, poor me, yeah, you should leave, find somebody else. But my counselor told me, Dennis, don't say that again. My sponsor told me, Dennis, never say that again. Well, two or three more times, I said it. And my my sponsor said, Dennis, if you ever say that again, I will rip your arm off and beat you with it. But my counselor said, which is even more scary because I didn't believe that was true, was, Dennis, if you tell your wife that again, don't ever come back through these doors. 
I'm just, that's, I'm done with you. And man, that scared me. I said, oh, no, no, no. Okay. So every time I had the urge to tell my wife, no, yeah, you know, I, I, I would understand if you just want to leave, man. I, and I'm so glad now I teach my sponsor that I teach. I pass on that with my sponsees, the same thing. And it's so beautiful. Um, they are, they are not allowed to say that because it's so hurtful because that's not what our wives are wanting or our spouses are wanting. They're wanting to share the hurt and the harm that I have caused her. And so it's, it's amazing now I can be with her as she shares and be with her and not make it about me, not, not feel guilt or shame, you know, for what I've done. I have a disease. Um, and, but just be with her. And th- that really ties into also me on the other side when I start trying to be helpful to others. You know, somebody will share, and it's like I think I have the answer or I have, you know, something that may be good and well would be helpful. But, boy, I can see, and I've, I've taken other programs to learn that, that is, is me going right back into self, and I am no longer with that person. And I have learned that unsolicited advice is criticism. Unsolicited advice is criticism. If somebody's sharing with me and I give them some advice, um, I've just criticized them. And I don't think once in my life I've ever given advice to somebody that was sharing with me like that. They go, wow, thank you for that. I can just see the disconnect now when I... Don't want to, oops, I did it again. The other one is like, you know, my excuse back then is, well, I'm just trying to be helpful. Well, helpfulness is the sunny side of control. That's just me still trying to control and still trying to, you know, and I have learned the reason I'm trying to be helpful or I'm trying to give advice is so that I find relief from them just being in their feelings, from them hurting and in pain. And if I can't be with them when they're in their pain, I'm missing the gift. And if I'm willing to sit in the uncomfortableness of other people's pain, man, there is a great peace and serenity on the other side. I have learned to listen. And one of the greatest gifts that my sponsor has told me is keep your mouth shut. And if I will keep my mouth shut, many things are a positive about that. Number one, I don't have to make amends usually because I haven't harmed somebody. Usually opening my mouth harms somebody. And how do I know is a good reality when I should keep my mouth shut is when I feel disturbed. Nothing ever good comes out when I'm disturbed or if I feel urgency. Uh, If it's urgent, it's not important. And if it's important, it's not urgent. So those are just some of the things that I try and live by. And do I do them perfectly? No. And, but now I can see them sometimes and sometimes I can set me uncomfortable or I can just be at peace and be with somebody. Sometimes I see it coming up, I can recognize it, and I blurt it out. And I'm like, oh, I did it again. That's okay. I'd I be gentle and easy on myself. Um, it's progress, not perfection. But one of the greatest gifts that I get is when I get to be with my wife and let her share and download and just be with her. And that's the time that I'm truly not missing the gift, that I'm getting the gift. And that gift connects us spiritually, and we grow from that. And I can tell you in our relationship, I love the walks I could get to take with her and hold her hand. I love the intimacy of 
when we're at church, we squish into each other, or when we're driving, we hold hands. Um, those are not out of a full day. Those are, you know, the, the percentage of the day is increasing in that area. But I can't have an expectation that that's the way it's going to be. As soon as I get into expectation, an expectation is a resentment that is forming. I'm back in self. I'm not trusting that God has whatever he has for me. And to accept even the sad times. Um, I won't get into all the codependency stuff, but um, I get to just be with her. And I call them reprieves. Sometimes they're really beautiful. And I know now they're not going to last. Life is going to get in the way. Emotions and triggers and trauma is going to get in the way. But during those little valleys, you know, the first couple of times I was in the valley, I felt alone and I really felt God's whisper in my heart. I'm right here with you. And then those valleys were never as deep, but I've always learned that those valleys produce something of a deeper recovery for me. If I'm willing to just go through them and be in them and trust that God has me and that this too shall pass. So today I don't have to miss the gift of her sharing her heart with me and, With that, I will pass.